Welcome to the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and I'm obsessed with all things writing, creativity, and telling your stories in your authentic voice, because I believe a good story can change the world. Ever since I was a little girl with my nose in a book, I dreamed of being an author. I wanted to see my books in bookstores everywhere. I wanted to talk about books. I wanted to soak up everything about the craft. My celebrity crushes were mostly authors and I could feel in my bones that the writer's life was my destiny. Fast forward to today. Along with my alter ego, Kate Conti, I'm an Agatha Award-nominated best-selling author with three mystery series, but it wasn't all smooth sailing along the way. I experienced many setbacks, crushing self-doubt, a lot of career detours, and I even lost my voice a few times when I let the world get in my way. Until I learned that writing was so much more than just a skill set you learned and developed over time. It's also an inside job that flourishes when you heal all the wounds that are stifling your creativity, which is no easy task. So if you're a writer of any kind, or if you've always wanted to write but aren't sure where to start, this is the place for you, my friend. We're gonna talk about all things writing process, craft, strategies to help you get writing and stay writing, the daunting world of agents, editors, and publishing, And because I'm using my authentic voice, I'm going to throw in a little woo-woo for you too. So let's get writing, shall we? To the Get Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Liz McGavro, and today we're talking about a genre we haven't covered yet on the podcast, romance. So my guest is Trisha Lair, an author and book coach who found her way to romance novels after a long history of ignoring her calling, like so many of us do. When she reached out to me about the podcast and told me her story, I knew immediately that I had to have her on and that we were about to become good friends. And P.S., that's something I do love about podcasting, meeting new people, getting to know people otherwise you'd never have met. There's so much potential to find kindred spirits that, you know, you might otherwise never run into. And that's exactly what happened here. And I'm so grateful because she's so much fun. So Trisha's and my story have so many commonalities. It just felt like the universe had brought us together. She was a bookworm like me as a kid. She loved to hide in the corner and read. We even talk about our mutual love of school book fairs during our conversation. And that was cool because, you know, what writer didn't love their school book fairs? I mean, those were the best school days for me. And like me, Trisha was told to get a real career. So she went into communications, which also is just like me. I mean, the synchronicities are wild. And when she realized that she couldn't ignore her calling anymore and refocused on her writing, she took it one step further and decided to also help other women who needed that boost and that handholding to get their books done, just like the work that I'm doing in the Creativity Lab. So I love it. I just loved how much we had in common. Um, this conversation was so much fun. Uh, I hope that you'll enjoy it just as much as I did. So let's get right into it. 
Hey, Trisha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, this is going to be a fun conversation because I feel like our stories really kind of align. So you came to writing in a circular kind of way that reminds me of my own story. So when you when we initially were emailing each other, you said you've been a bookworm since you were tiny and you always dreamed of writing a book, but never made it a priority because you always were told you had to do something more productive. So I heard the same story, but tell me, tell us about that. For sure. Um, yeah, like I... I was the kid at recess sitting on a bench with a book with my bookmark in my mouth, which is evidenced by photographs, which are kind of embarrassing, but that was me. I was always just sitting there with a book. I didn't want to play tag. I could not do the monkey bars. I still can't do monkey bars. I don't have the grip strength, but I can hold a paperback. And that was my thing. It's what I loved. Silent reading time, best time. A couple of my friends and I, we tried to write books together all the time. You know, we'd each do, I'll do a page, then you do a page. We like get a binder full of papers and like the lined paper. And it was ridiculous. Those stories clearly were not good. Um, but I loved it. That bookworm was a huge part of my identity. And then I think it was high school when, you know, you start thinking about what do I want to do with my life? And for a while I thought I, want, I wanted to be a teacher. And then I actually went and like shadowed an elementary school teacher once I was a little older and was like, oh no, this is, this is chaos. I don't want to do this. This is too much. And I was like, yeah, I, I just, I want to be, I want to be around books. I love books. I love words. I love writing. Um, but I was, you know, a smart kid. I was good in school. So I was always encouraged, oh, you're going to do great things. You're going to go to university. You're going to do this, do that. And then I had a teacher who, when I was 17, basically straight up said, if you don't figure out exactly what you're going to do with your life right now, you will be a complete failure. Whoa. And I panicked. Yeah, it was, she was a very overeager, like student teacher. And it was like, looking back, I'm like, that was, that's not the thing you say at all. But, Whoa. you know, I was that perfectionist, <laughs> straight A student. My grades are, you know, my value, my worth. Um, and so I went on this career website, did the aptitude test. And it told me after all, like, you know, the 20 million like multiple choice questions. This is what you should study. You should study communications because you're good at writing. And I thought, okay, well, that's a real job. And being a writer, like that's, you know, I'm not gonna be able to write books and stories unless I get a real job first. And so that's what I did. I Googled universities in Western Canada that offer communications degrees. And there were two. And I applied to one of them because it looked cooler and it was farther from home. So it would have been more fun. I got in, I went, and I did have a good experience. And I'm glad that I went there. I made some of my absolute dearest friends there. I learned a lot, had some cool experiences. But part of me still wonders, like, what would have happened if I'd gone and studied creative writing instead? Because that's what I love to do. Um, when I was in college, I didn't let myself read books for fun because I had too much else to do. I had too much other mm. more important reading to do. And it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and then as once I graduated, I was like, okay, now I can read books for fun again and I can get back into writing again. But at that point, it was also the, oh, well, now I have to do more serious writing. I need to write something that will, you know, make a difference in the world. Mm. And I think I spent two years kind of trying to sketch out and write snippets of this like thriller about human trafficking. And it, it was dark. Liz 
it was dark. Like every time I come across one of those files, I'm like, oh my gosh, no. Um, I wrote that? Oh no. But I didn't enjoy it at all. And slowly over the years, I've come to the place where I'm like, you know what? Reading fiction should be something that's fun. should be something you do because you enjoy it. And if you enjoy the dark, the gritty, the bloody, the horror, cool. You do you. I'm not that person. And I've come to realize that being productive and putting value into the world looks different for different people. And, you know, making all the money in the world and working for charities like I did for 10 years, um, those are great things. But that's not necessarily the value that I want to provide. And now I'm finally getting back to actually doing the writing that I want to do because it's fun and it makes me giggle when I read it. And that's, yeah, that's kind of the weird route that I've gone on and life hit some really brutal ups and downs. Um, And fun books, romance novels are the things that helped me get through that. And so now I'm back to just figuring out how to write the stuff that I want to write. Awesome. So there's so much there to unpack. I love that. So, so I just have to tell you my story because it's, it's, it's really, it's funny how similar. Um, (laughs) So I was always writing too and always reading and, you know, my favorite, favorite school days were the days when the book fair came to, came to the school. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. That was the best, right? (laughs) My daughter's daycare has the flyers for book, like the book fair on the counter the other day. And I was like, oh my gosh, those still exist. Yeah. Did you want to totally pick up books for yourself? Because I would still want to do that. (laughs) I I tried to be good and I didn't take the flyer. I just left it there. She's too little. We have enough books right now. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I was always into reading and, um, and, you know, writing short stories and making up stuff when I was outside with my friends and, you know, all the things. And then when I got to same place as you high school and I was, and I, I knew I wanted to major in, I I wasn't really sure, you know, the school I was going to, um, I was kind of presented with the options of here are all these state schools and you can go to one of these kind of things. So, you know, the best I could do with a degree was English. Um, and so when I told my parents I was going to major in English, they said, oh, great. So you're going to be a teacher? Because <laughs> my parents are both teachers. We're both teachers. Um, and so I was like, no, I'm not going to be a teacher. And they said, well, what are you going to do with that degree? And I said, I'm going to write books. And they said, okay, but you need a backup plan. So you really should be a teacher. So, so I didn't really listen. I still took, well, it's funny. I did, my major was English. My minor was communications. And then I did go to get my master of arts in writing, creative writing and publishing. So I didn't listen in that regard, but (laughs) interestingly enough, I still ended up in marketing and communications, which is, you know, where to this day I'm still playing. So it's, it's kind of funny, um, that we, that we ended up in the same place. That is that it, it's super weird. And I don't know, it's, I wonder how many people, kind of do that same thing, right? Where yeah. we're told, you know, don't pursue that kind of silly artsy dream. Go do something, you know, the backup plan. Keep yep. doing that other thing on the side, which if that's what works for people, that works for some people. But I don't think we should be encouraging people to give up on what they actually want to do. Like nope. how many novels and movies exist out there where the main character is like getting out of the humdrum life to do what they actually want to do. Like, come on, let's just do it at the first place. 
But also think about the first part of that sentence you just said, all the novels and TV shows out there, right? <laughs> somebody's writing these things and somebody's getting paid to write these things. So exactly. like, it well, doesn't, like, that argument doesn't hold like, weight anymore. Well, yeah. And we've got like the, what the writer's strike on right now. And it, the one that happened years ago too, where, you know, you can tell in some shows where the skilled writers weren't writing and those episodes were being produced and you can tell yeah, because it's not sure. good because we need skilled writers. We need this entertainment, like these books, these stories, these movies, the music, whatever it is, that's what gets us through, right? That's what gets yeah. us through those hard times. That's what got so many of us through pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Being stuck at home. You can't go hang out with your friends, but you can use the, this technology and you can still watch movies together. Stories are important. They help us get through. How often do you hear stories where um, a book or a movie or a TV show helps someone learn something about themselves and fix something in their life because they learned that whatever was happening wasn't normal? These things are good. It, they learned that they weren't alone. Like, these are worthwhile. They do provide value. And artists should be paid. But that's sure. that's a whole other conversation yeah. right there. <laughs> no, for sure. And that's, you know, I, last year I started a, a membership site for writers that's based on this whole idea of, you know, maybe you put your writing aside for a long time or maybe you never actually picked it up in the first place. And this is the place where, you know, hopefully people can come to get back to it and to, you know, set aside that time for themselves, whether or not they want to make it a career or just, you know, a hobby or whatever it is. Um, but a place that is that safe space where they can do that. So, so what about, you told me that, you know, writing got you through a lot of hard times. So our reading got you through a lot of hard times, but what, did writing also do that for you? And, and tell, just tell me why you were so interested in creating your own stories. Yeah. I'm depending on my energy levels, sometimes writing can definitely get me through. Writing has definitely connected me with people, whether I've been writing, you know, nonfiction essays about, my experiences with infertility and pregnancy loss, or whether it's been getting together with friends and just sitting down and working on our novels together um, in a pub or a coffee shop. I think that's for me, it's the, you know, you getting, getting those thoughts and those feelings on paper, whether it's journaling or, you know, writing a story has been super helpful just to like, how do I want to say this? <laughs> it's been helpful just to, you know, try and get those down. So instead of just floating around, making you feel heavy, you can get them on paper. You can start to kind of deal with them, parse them. Which of these, these thoughts, these feelings are kind of real, which are helpful, which ones are messages that I've been absorbing, but they aren't actually true. And it's really fun to be able to then take those things as you learn them and put them into characters and see, okay, here's how I dealt with all of this. How would, you know, these same thoughts or feelings or experiences impact somebody else. Um, it's, it's fun to see. And so for me, writing has always been that it's fun to do. It's fun to do. It makes me think. It helps me process my own life, but it also helps me, you know, explore something else and play with something else and see what, what might happen if this character did something that I would never do because, you know, I'm the good good, sweet girl. And I don't like conflict. So I'm not going to, you know, snap back at this person if they insult me, but what would happen if somebody did and get to kind of play with that and experiment it. And 
I don't know, I've been listening to an audiobook the last few days, and it's really made me think about how something I need to work on in my own writing is adding in that conflict more and more. Because I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this character. I'm like, no, you're going to do this. Don't do it. 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 But I know if they don't do it, then the story's boring. Right. So they have to go do this thing that I would not ever do and that I don't really want anyone to ever do. But that's what makes a good story. (laughs) And that's why writing's fun. Because as I learn more and get better, I can add in that conflict that makes me cringe and makes me uncomfortable because I hate conflict. Hence why I went and studied communications instead of pursuing creative writing. Yeah. It's like that saying where your job in your, in your story is to, you know, in the first act, you put your character in a tree in the second act, you throw rocks at them. And then in the third act, you help them come down gracefully. So (laughs) I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, and it's, I think, what was it? Is it John Irving? who I've never actually read any of his stuff, um, but I did get to hear him speak. And he said in this interview, when he writes, he thinks about what's the worst thing that could happen to this character? Okay, how can I make that even worse? Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, Mm. what's the worst thing that could happen? What's three times worse than that? Okay, let's do that. And I was like, oh, you're so mean. That's so mean. (laughs) And then when you actually feel like, but that's what makes a story good. That's what makes it interesting and entertaining. Because if it's not, if it, if it's not hard, if it's too easy, if they don't do stupid things and make terrible decisions, then, okay, so they meet, they fall in love, the end. Like, that's not an interesting romance novel. We need the conflict. So, yeah. 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 I also love, you made me laugh when you said you, you tried to write a thriller about human trafficking and it, it was too much. And it's funny because right now I write cozy mysteries, which are kind of on the, you know, they're still killing, we're still killing people and they're, we're still solving murders, but they're, you know, a little bit, they have happier endings usually. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also like writing a thriller that, or maybe more of a suspense that's got a lot of dead people and it's kind of dark and there's some, you know, pretty dark things that are happening. So I think that's funny that you're, you're going one way, I'm going the other way. <laughs> so I, the- yeah, oh yeah. I read, was it a few, maybe about 10 years ago now. Um, I, I spent about a month where I was reading like thrillers, mysteries, murder mysteries, things like that. And I got to the point, um, where that's all I was thinking about. And everywhere I looked, um, I was cataloging, oh, what could happen? What bad thing might happen? Um, Everyone's a murderer. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was dark and I was having nightmares and I realized like, and I was just feeling really like on the verge of depression. It was not good. And I finally yeah. realized this is because of what I'm reading. Yeah. And these books, they're not good for me because my, my mind just dwells on the bad stuff. And that's when I shifted to reading more romance like I'd done before that and just kind of focused on for a while there was mostly YA romance. And then I started reading a little more spicier stuff, which, you know, was much more fun. (laughs) And I realized those are just better books for me. And I think that's where we all kind of need to be is figuring out what stories are good for us for writing and what stories are good for us for reading. We all need to figure out what type of stories work for us, whether we're writing them or reading them. We need to figure out what stories make us feel good, what empower us, what encourage us, um, and what kind of help us get through 
whatever's happening in our lives. Yeah. So what drew you to romance specifically? I love the happy endings. Um, I love that promise that whatever happens in the story, things are going to turn out okay. Um, for me, that's huge. We've had a lot of loss in our family. Oh, I'm getting, getting emotional. Mm, <laughs> um, my so father-in-law good. died a few days after my wedding, um, mm. after a, a long battle with um, cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, thank you. We uh, it took us five years to get our daughter. We had miscarriages, infertility, and um, our son was stillborn. And romance novels, I loved them before that. Um, but after my son died, I couldn't do anything, right? Grief, grief is hard. Grief is rough. Um, romance novels helped. Mine is the one romance novel where a secret stillbirth was the big twist, which... Oh, boy. No, no, that's... That's something you let a reader know beforehand. Um, I read that three weeks after my son died. Oh, not, God. not good. <laughs> um, but romance novels, for the most part, you know, a lot of them do deal with heavier topics, um, but they do it in a way that you know still things are going to be okay. There's still going to be those light moments. There's still going to be that happy ending. And there's still going to be, you know, some spice or some sweet or whatever it is. Um, that runs the gamut of what you enjoy. And I love that. I love that about romance novels. I love that they can be just this escape. They can be absolutely ridiculous with, you know, a fan fiction writer who meets the actor in the show that she writes about and they become a couple and win a cosplay contest and go around the world doing ridiculous things. Or it can just be, you know, the baker... And the next door, you know, flower shop owner, and they fall in love and find a way to, you know, help their small town build a gazebo or something, right? It's, they can be as ridiculous or as kind of sweet and close to home, but either way, romance novels provide that escape from whatever your real life is. And they give you a few moments to just kind of relax and breathe. And probably giggle, maybe blush a little bit, but it's all in good fun, and it just it just brings joy into the world, and I love that, and I love being a part of helping people um, either get their stories out to more readers by you know talking about their books, or helping people write those books and figure out how to get across whatever feeling or idea or topic um, that they want to get across to their reader, and helping them get that into the pages. I'm so sorry that you went through all that. I really am. That's, that's a lot. Um, and I know that, you know, it's similar to cozies in some way. You're also writing romance, correct? You're, you're, I know you're helping people and we're going to talk about that later, but, um, you're also writing your own. So tell me about that. Yeah. Um, I, it took me a while, like I said earlier, to kind of figure out what I wanted to write. I knew for so long, like I wanted to write. I liked writing. It was fun, but it took me a long time to figure out what to write. I tried the thriller that clearly didn't work out for a while. Then I was like, Oh, maybe I'll try picture books, kids books thinking at first, of course, like, um, many people do that. Oh, it's easy. They're short, which then realized, Oh, well that's, that's what makes them hard. They're short. And, uh, so played around with that for a little while, but never really felt like it was the right fit. And then 
the ideas for, you know, romance stories just kept popping in. And I kept realizing this is what I'm reading all the time. This is what I love. And the project I'm working on right now um, first came to mind, what was that, 2019, I think it was, summer 2019. And um, I loved it. It was fun. All my favorite tropes, you know, enemies to lovers, fake dating, um, nosy neighbors, all that fun stuff. And I hammered out a very, very rough draft of it in NaNoWriMo that year. Um, and I won Nano, which was really exciting. But nice. then when I actually went back and looked at the manuscript, the reason I won was because I wrote multiple scenes multiple times and just kept it all in there and then would write myself notes. Oh, I need to change this, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I, I made that change, but I'm going to leave this note in here so that I can keep this word count. Yep. That's actually in the manuscript. Um, which was ridiculous. <laughs> hey, you got to do that too, right? <laughs> right. Oh, totally. Um, document my progress, right? And yep. and I let the book sit. I was gonna, I was just going to let it sit for you know a few months before I went back to revise it. And <laughs> that few months turned into what two years, three years, <laughs> and finally last fall I had the opportunity to dive back into it, but to do so in a new way. As part of my author accelerator uh, book coach training, um, I had to do three practicums with real clients. And I thought, well, if I'm asking other people to, you know, go through this coaching with me, why don't I offer to be a practicum client for somebody else? And so I did a blueprint for a book outline with another coach for this manuscript, kind of just take it back to the beginning, the bare bones. What's the story? Why am I writing this? How does it start? How does it end? Um, all these fun elements. Jenny Nash has all the steps outlined in her book. And I did that with another coach and it was amazing. It got me really thinking about it, trying to figure out my character's backstory. Why are these two characters getting together? What's stopping them? Like in reality, it's not just, oh, they don't like each other, but it's why. What's all of those, what are all of those big whys back there? And so I started rehashing the story, oh, back in November, I think it was. And I've just been kind of jumping in, playing with it back and forth. And I am now determined this year, I'm actually going to finish this draft. I'm actually going to finish this book and turn it into something good. And I'm very, very slowly getting there as I get deeper into it and figure out more about who are my characters? Why are they doing the things that they're doing? What do they actually want? And it's great. My character's entire motivation, my main character, my protagonist, her entire motivation has changed um, three times <laughs> in the last couple of months, but we're finally getting there. And I'm finally getting to the point where I feel like I can call myself a writer again because I'm actually doing it. I love that. I love that. And, you know, first of all, anybody who writes anything is a writer. I mean, I tell my the people in my membership that all the time. And the, and the way we came to um, realize what we both wanted to write is also really similar, which is so interesting because you said, you know, you had been reading romances and then all of a sudden you realized, you know, why aren't I writing these? That's what I, this is what I love to read. Same thing with me. You know, I, when I left, um, my master's program, I had written a book, but it was a more like a women's fiction style book. 
And then I was kind of like, what am I going to do now? What am I going to write? And it dawned on me, you know, a year later that, oh, all I read is mysteries. So why aren't I writing mysteries? And that kind of set me on that path. So, um, but I think, you know, and, and you tell me, but from my experience, it's really helpful to kind of be immersed in the things that you're writing yourself when you're helping other people write their own books. Oh, most definitely. It's, it's so helpful to experience both sides of that coin, right? To be, you know, with people and be distanced enough from their story that I can give them fresh eyes and give them um, experience from kind of the training that I have done. But it's also so helpful for me to understand what it's like to be sitting there at the keyboard, trying to get these words out, trying to get these characters to do what I want them to do and have, you know, the story in my head not be showing up on the page. I understand that frustration. I know what it's like. And that helps me be a way better coach for my clients, I think, because I get it. I know where they're at. I've been there. I am there. And I can then give them the empathy that they need while also giving them the tough love that they need, if that makes sense, to do it both at the same time. Totally. Because we have to give the tough love to ourselves sometimes too, right? Oh, exactly. And that's the part why like I am a book coach and I'm part of a group book coaching program where I am one of the writers because I know that I need help. I can't do this on my own. Writing is always seen as such a solitary activity. You know, you sit in a room with the, with your laptop and just, you know, hammer the words out, but that's so much harder because sometimes you just need to talk out a story. Sometimes you just need somebody to check in and be like, Hey, did you write or did you procrastinate all week? And I like, personally, I need the deadlines. I didn't meet my goal last week. And I felt so gunky when I had to reply to the group. It was like, Oh yeah, I wrote like three pages. I did practically nothing last week because I was procrastinating because I'm at a hard point in the story where I gotta, I just gotta buckle down and just force my way through. Um, it's the only way through it, right? You gotta just go right, right in and it's hard and I don't like conflict. And so I keep kind of ignoring it and just saying, Oh, I'll do that later. And then I have somebody check in and be like, yeah, no, later's not happening. Do it now. (laughs) Yep. Yep. For sure. So, so do you think that uh, so did you start writing after you decided you were going to become a book coach or were you had, had you been writing all along? I've been playing around with writing for what, 15 years. <laughs> um, mm. And every year, you know, I make the new year's resolution. This year's the year I'm going to finish a book. This year's the year I'm going to finish a book. And then it ends up getting pushed off for something else. Um, oh, well, you know, I have client stuff to do, so I'll do that. Or, oh, well... I don't know. I'm tired. I'm going to go do this other thing instead. And, you know, or a couple of years ago, oh, I'm pregnant. I just don't have the, you know, the energy or my, my brain's too foggy. And I just kept pushing it off. And then once I got farther into the book coach training course and realized, yes, I still want to do this work. I still want to do editing. I still want to do um, this coaching thing um, and figure out how to balance that with being a mom. I realized I still want to do the writing thing. It's still there. It's a goal that's just been kind of hovering in the back of my mind for so, so, so many years. And I finally realized like, if I'm going to be out there 
encouraging other people to prioritize their writing and to give themselves grace and space to do this. I need to do the same for myself. Absolutely. So your business in a way kind of helped you refocus on your own writing. Oh, most definitely. It also, yeah, just gave me just more, more skills and more insight into, you know, the whole writing and publishing world to help me figure out what I want to do and how to actually take the steps to make it happen. I love that. So I have to know, um, and since, you know, we both worked in comms and I'm still doing that, yeah. um, someone asked me recently if, you know, working in that field has helped also helped me with my fiction writing. And my response was kind of, you know, maybe a little off center because for me it's, yeah, I have a lot of murder victims given the work that I do during the day. Um, but you know, <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm sure there are things that I've taken away from that type of writing that's helped me in my other type of writing, but I'm interested in, you know, how do you feel about that? Have you taken anything away that's helped you with your current career path? Oh, totally. I actually, um, am in the middle of pitching an article about this very thing to another website. Oh, cool. <laughs> very cool. And just this idea that um, all of my communications training was about how to communicate effectively. So as a communicator, whether we are writing or speaking or, you know, posting on social media, our job is to communicate our key messages as clearly as possible in a way that meets or exceeds our audience's needs. And that's exactly what we need to do in fiction writing. We need to understand who are our readers, what do they want or need, and how do we give that to them? Or understanding what do they think they want or need, and what do they actually want or need, and how do we give that to them? And understanding things like copywriting and persuasive communication can really help narrow ideas down and get them on the page uh, succinctly in a way that makes it really easy to grab that main idea and get it going. Um, and I think that's all helped me just at least understand a little bit more about the power of the words that I'm using. Hmm. Oh, I like that. I like that. It's, it is really true. Cause I mean, all, all kinds of writing, um, feed into one another. I think, you know, I was a journalist for a long time too. And, you know, I think for one thing that's helped me stay on track with deadlines, even though the deadlines are a little mm -hmm. bit different. Um, but it's, it, it's a similar thing too, right. Where you're, you're presenting things, you have to present things in such a way that it's easy for people to understand and it's easy for them to see why they care. Oh, exactly. And one of my favorite things in communications is plain language and understanding that, you know, the words we choose to use have an impact on how well we're understood. And if you're writing, you know, literary fiction, you can use some of those longer, more complex sentence structures and fancier, um, more obscure words. But if you're writing genre fiction, you got to use the simplest words possible, simplest, strongest words possible, because that's what your reader wants. They're not wanting to try and parse out your meaning. 
um, they're not going to want to sit there and analyze, you know, sentences and paragraphs to figure out what's the deeper meaning here. They just want to be entertained and just have a good time. Um, one of my favorite things when I was doing communications was um, getting to coordinate the three-minute thesis competition with the graduate faculty that I worked with at a university. And that is a, it's a speaking competition for master's and PhD students to explain their thesis research. They have three minutes and one slide to explain what my research is, why it's important, and why you as a random person on the street should care about it. And the best part of that competition was getting to do the coaching sessions with these PhD students who are so smart, so smart and so interested in these really niche topics, really interesting, complex science, medical, engineering, even some English um, researchers. It was so interesting. But they would, in their coaching sessions with me, give me their, their spiel, practice their three minutes. And I'd almost always get to point out, hey, you use this really like long, complicated, multisyllabic word seven times. What does it mean? And every single time it would mean something super simple like round or <laughs> you know, you know, something really simple. And I would look at them and go, you can say round. And they would go, really? <laughs> I'm allowed to just use normal words? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Because when they're speaking with other people in their field, they have to use the most technical jargon that they can, right? Because that's how they show their understanding. That's how they show their prestige and show that they deserve to be in those academic circles. But when you're talking to just regular people, you got to use regular plain language. And it was so fun to see that light bulb go on and to see them get so excited. So given all of the things you just told me about communications, would you do anything differently if you could go back related to your career trajectory or would you keep it just the way it was? That's a really hard question. Um, part of me really does wonder if I had gone back and I had focused on creative writing ahead of the game, would I have already written and maybe even published some books? Maybe, but I also would have lost out on some of my absolute best friends who have been there for me through all the junk that's happened in my life. And I would have missed out on a lot of the business skills that I gained in my communications degree. And I'm really grateful for those. As a self-employed person, I know a lot more about how to communicate with potential clients, about how to run a business that I would never have learned. I don't think if I hadn't studied communications and spent the time in them, in those communications roles that I had. So you talked about busting the guilty pleasures myth about romances. And I love that because, um, so I write cozy mysteries, like I said, and sometimes cozies mm -hmm. get that rap too of, you know, oh, they're not really about anything, which is so not true. Um, and you know, they're kind of looked down upon, right? So I think there's a little bit of the same sentiment with romances. So talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit. Yeah, romance has such a bad rap in a lot of circles, right? Oh, it's trash. Oh, you read trash. Oh, you know, those are kissing books or whatever. And I don't think any books are trash. All books have value. All stories have value. And nobody wants to read heavy, weighty literary fiction all the time. 
sometimes you just want something to entertain you, right? And if you're calling a romance novel trash or a guilty pleasure, then what about like 80% of the TV we watch, right? It's entertainment. That's what these are. And you rarely see people having, you know, writing big long essays about the guilty pleasure that is superhero movies because superhero movies make all this money and everybody watches them and everybody recognizes the characters and they are primarily male centric. Whereas romance novels are primarily for, by, and about women. So they're so often denigrated. Things that women enjoy are so often seen as lesser. And I think that's ridiculous. And we deserve to not feel any guilt or shame for enjoying stories that we enjoy, for spending time reading a book that, you know, gives us time. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Cause I, I fight that same battle with, um, mm-hmm. with, you know, cozies as well. And it, it is, it's, you know, and these, they are about things, right. And, and I think it's just, they're packaged in such a way or, you know, talked about in such a way that it makes it seem like they're not, but they, they are about something first of all. And second of all, like you said, it is, it's entertainment. And sometimes people don't always want to be solving the world's problems. They want to just fall into a good book and enjoy a few minutes of peace and quiet. Exactly. And I had a conversation last summer with a friend of mine who, um, he's got an MFA in creative writing. He's incredibly smart. And he kind of made a bit of a joke about romance novels. And I called him out on a bit. And I told him a bit about some of the books that are being published today. Today's romance novels aren't, you know, those joked about bodice rippers where there's literally no plot. Which, not to say those books aren't great for the audience that wants them. But to say that today's romance novels are just silly, fluff, waste of time is completely untrue. There are so many incredible authors, especially authors from diverse backgrounds, who are sharing their cultures and their struggles and are tackling topics like homophobia and racism and misogyny through the lens of their lives and through these tools, through romance novels. And they're fabulous. And they tackle these deep issues in really intelligent ways while also making us giggle and blush at really steamy scenes or really sweet romances with grand gestures. And it's absolutely delightful to read these books. And we shouldn't feel any guilt or shame about it because they're joyful. So why not? And if we want to write these, and if you want to write a super steamy scene that's absolutely... Um, just absolutely ridiculous to the average, you know, person because they've never seen that something like that happen in their bedroom. Go for it. Something like that's <laughs> never happened in your bedroom. Cool. Write it. See what it sounds like. See if it sounds fun and write it. That doesn't mean you have to ever participate in something like that if that's not your jam. But why aren't we just letting people enjoy the books that they enjoy? I don't, totally. I don't think there's any reason not to. 
Totally. And when women come to you for help writing their books, um, do you find that a lot of them have kind of embraced that I'm going to write what I want, or do you have to like help them kind of get there? I think some have, um, and some are still kind of seeking that encouragement, whether it's to write whatever they want or to just write at all. They're seeking someone to affirm that this is a worthwhile use of your time, not because you're going to, you know, make any money from it, not because you're going to become a bestseller. You might, that'd be awesome. Um, but there's no guarantee of any of that, but it's still worthwhile if you enjoy it. It's still worthwhile if you set this goal for yourself and you're working towards it, whether that goal is finishing a draft and just writing a book or it's to actually get it published. And so many women just need that encouragement to spend time on something for themselves because we give so much of our time to everybody else around us. Yes. A hundred thousand percent. Yes. And I feel like we kind of share a brain because these are the conversations that I'm also having with, with other writers who are, you know, trying to figure out how much time to spend on their writing or how much time they can spend on their mm -hmm. writing and, you know, feeling guilty about not doing things with their family and, you know, all of that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's incredible how women, um, put themselves on shelves. Yeah. And like, we're still, we're doing amazing things, right? We're raising kids. We're spending time with our families and our parents and our friends. We are helping our communities. We're volunteering. We're taking care of pets and homes and doing whatever our jobs are. But so often we don't do things for ourselves. And yeah. whether we want to read a book or write a book, we should be encouraged to take, even if it's just an, a couple hours a week for ourselves. Absolutely. So in that vein, what would you tell somebody who tells you they want to write, but they're just not sure if they can find the time or get the work done or, you know, if they're talented enough, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them that the time is there. We just have to decide how we want to use our time. And if you want to write a book, you can take as long as you need to do it. So if you have 30 minutes a week to work on your book, great. Put those 30 minutes in your calendar. Let your family and friends know, hey, this 30 minutes, I'm not available. I have something on my calendar. And it'll probably take you a while to get that book done, 30 minutes, you know, once a week, but you can still get it done. If you've got more time, great. Some people can write a book in a month. I have a few friends who can do that. I'm going on, what, four years? <laughs> and that's okay. We're all still writers, and there's no... There's nothing that makes you invalid as a writer just because it takes you longer to do it. Amen. I love it. All right, Trisha, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I, I really do think we share a brain. So this, this is so great to, to know that there's someone else like me out there that's gone down the same path and, are, and is, you know, bringing their dream to life, even though they were told not to. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Liz. This has been a lot of fun and um, I definitely think we should be friends. I agree. <laughs> Isn't she the sweetest? What did you think? I really hope you loved the conversation that we just had. So we were having some technical difficulties with this episode, so I'm going to jump in and tell you where to find her. Her website is trishajenreads.com. That's T-R-I-S-H-A. J-E-N-N-R-E-A-D-S 
www.romancewriterspace.com. And you can get info on her book coaching services there for romance writers, read her blog, and also find her on all the socials. So as always, I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know, or hop over to kateconti.com and send a message through my website. I would love to hear from you. And make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you really enjoyed it. Because as a new pod, it would mean so much to me. The more people listen, the more we can touch more people with it. And that's exactly what I want to do. So thank you. And we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.